You've just tuned into the Unify podcast from Unify Youth. Our goal is to equip young people with the Word of God so they can live empowered in Christ and tackle the challenges of this world. Tune in for weekly sermons, devotions, and interviews. Welcome to the Unify podcast. Tonight we begin our new series in the Psalms, the Psalms and the Saviour. But first we need to ask an important question. What are the Psalms? What are the Psalms? And the Psalms, or sometimes called the Psalter, are a collection of songs written and compiled for the instruction of God's people and for them to rightly worship. They were written over a period of 1,000 years. King David wrote about half of them, but also his son Solomon wrote some, as well as Asaph, the sons of Korah, even Moses wrote a psalm. And the psalms, they cover a variety of themes and a variety of emotions. They cover kingship, repentance, redemption, fear, hope, grief, and covenant. And there are 150 psalms that we could choose from, but we don't have 150 weeks ahead of us in the psalms. We're just going to choose seven in particular. Over the coming weeks, we're going to look at seven psalms in particular, and these ones are going to have a particular attention that I, I want, where I want you to see the Savior. I want you to see the Lord Jesus Christ when you read these psalms. I want you to see the Savior who fulfills the psalms, who quotes the psalms, who teaches the psalms, and is the glorious king that is anticipated by the Psalms. Tonight, we begin at Psalm 1. And Psalm chapter 1 and Psalm chapter 2, they act like a gate. They're a bit like a gate. They weren't the first to be written. That would be the Psalm that Moses wrote. But they're strategically placed at the beginning of the Psalter to teach us both the purpose and the message of the Psalms. Psalm 1 tells us the purpose of the Psalms. And the purpose is this, instruction in righteous living. Instruction in righteous living, in singing, in prayer, in worship, in our everyday life, in every aspect of the Christian experience, we are instructed by the Psalms to trust God to supply our every need, to trust God to rescue us from our sin and from our suffering. We're instructed to follow God's way for living and to remember the goodness of God and the promises that God has made to his people and hold tightly to him. As John Calvin said, the Psalms will principally teach and train us to bear the cross. 
If you're a Christian, it is of the utmost benefit to you to learn the Psalms, to sing the Psalms, to pray the Psalms, that we may bear the cross. Psalm 1 tells us the purpose of the Psalms, and Psalm 2 tells us the message of the Psalms. And this is the message. Firstly, that God is king. God is he who sits in the heavens. God is the king ruling sovereignly from on high over the nations. God is the king who is robed in majesty. God is the king. And secondly, the king is coming. God is the king and the king is coming. God's Messiah will come in whom we will take refuge and live the blessed life and endure any suffering because one day the suffering will be turned to glory. Tonight, that's a brief overview of the gateway that is the access into the Psalms. Tonight we'll be reading Psalm 1. Next week will be Psalm 2. But as we look at Psalm 1, I want to make two simple points as we walk through it that teach us how to walk the way of the righteous. How to walk the way of the righteous. Number one, we will observe the way of the righteous. We'll simply observe the way of the righteous that is explained in this psalm. And that'll be verses 1 to 3. Secondly, we're going to observe the way of the wicked. And that'll be verses 4 to 6. The way of the righteous, the way of the wicked. And the message of this psalm is simple. It is this. We walk in righteousness by delighting in the word of God and the son of God. God blesses the righteous, but the wicked perish. That's the message of this psalm. But before we read it, would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we come before your word at the beginning of the Psalms. Would you help us to understand, to access the, the treasury of David, the riches that are before us in this magnificent book? May we enter the gate of Psalm 1 and next week, Psalm 2. Help us to understand, prepare our hearts for tonight. Help us to listen, to learn, help me to speak and May all distractions be laid aside, Lord, and may we focus solely on you and your word and behold your majesty. We commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Firstly, I want to observe the way of the righteous. The writer describes the way of the righteous. Read verse 1 to 3 with me. Verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Blessed is the man. Or in other words, happy is the man. The man is happy to live God's way, the way that God tells us and instructs us through his word. This way produces flourishing. It 
produces true joy in a person's life. You see, when you, when you seek to find happiness or joy in the things of this world, we all know what happens. We've all been there. They disappoint us. Great, I got the smartphone I've always dreamed of. Eventually it's not enough, the battery goes wild, it's not working properly anymore, the touch screen, oh no, it's cracked, I need a new one. But you wanted it so bad and you thought it was gonna fulfill you. Wow, the PS5 is out, exciting. In a couple of years it's gonna be the PS6 and you're gonna want that. The things of this world, they don't satisfy us, there's no lasting, true joy and satisfaction in this world. Eventually, these things disappoint us. But when we seek to live according to the word of God, we flourish. And what we find is joy and eternal, lasting happiness and satisfaction. Don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering in this world. Jesus says, if you follow me, there will be suffering. Times will be hard, you will grieve. But what's promised is a time where every single tear will be wiped away. There will be no more mourning or crying. Jesus will have come back. That is what the Christian has to look forward to and that will not disappoint or dissatisfy. In fact, that will be the most satisfying thing that you will ever experience if you belong to God. So first in this psalm, we read what the blessed man is not. We read what the blessed man is not. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Firstly, the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, he doesn't seek counsel from the ungodly, help from the ungodly. The blessed man doesn't think like the ungodly. They don't have the same mindset, the same worldview. That is what this means. The way that the blessed man thinks is not like the ungodly. Secondly, the blessed man does not stand in the path of sinners. This means walking the same path, going the same direction as the sinners are going. This is lifestyle, ambitions, desires, pursuits, agendas. The blessed man doesn't act like a sinner. They don't behave or practice the same way. And thirdly, the blessed man does not sit in the seat of the scornful. Sitting begets comfort. When you sit down, like you are now, you get increasingly comfortable. And I can tell because sometimes you guys fall asleep because the chairs are so comfortable, or maybe it's just me. But sitting begets comfort. The blessed man does not sit in the, and get comfortable with the ungodly, with the scornful. Who are the scornful? They're simply those who mock God, those who are making a mockery of God. And what I hope that you see there in these three is that there is a sort of progression. If we look at the key words, there is a progression and advancement of friendship 
with evil in the person's life from walking to standing to sitting. There's a progression of casualness, of comfort, of friendliness with those that are wicked. And what you need to recognize is that sin doesn't leave you stagnant. Sin doesn't say that's enough now. You've got bad enough. Sin drags down, doesn't it? We've experienced that in our lives. Sin drags down. And if you walk in its way, then you too will get dragged down with it further and further and further until one day you look back and you see how far that you've gone. Only you won't be sad. You'll be proud of yourself from walking further away, leaving God further behind. The righteous person, the blessed man, finds delight in the law of the Lord, not in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't sit with them, doesn't walk in their path. The blessed man finds delight in the law of the Lord. Read verse 2. But his delight, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He delights not in the way of the wicked. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And what is the law of the Lord? Well, this word is Torah. It is God's word. It is God's teaching. It's God's way. It's God's instruction for God's people in righteous living. It's not simply delight in the encouraging, fluffy verses. God has this amazing plan for you. It's delight in God's instructions. It's trusting the whole counsel of God, all of God's word, that God's way is the best way. And believe me, it always is because God is never wrong. The righteous man, the blessed man, he knows that. The blessed man knows that God's way is the best way. You know how I know that? Because he meditates on it day and night. He gets it. He understands that God's way is the best way. And if it is, I need to get as much of it as I can get. They need to pour over it every chance they get. They read it regularly. And when they're not reading it, they're meditating on it. They're chewing on it. They're thinking about it day and night. Is there any other time but day and night? That sums it up continually. It's on the mind, the heart of the blessed man. And if you fill your mind daily with scripture, then when you face daily challenges in life, you'll become wiser in how to respond to any given situation. Because God's word, God's way makes you wise to deal with whatever situation. Imagine for a moment, imagine a king that doesn't know how to be a king. Imagine a judge 
who didn't know the law. Imagine a lawyer that didn't go to law school, a teacher that doesn't know how to teach. How can you expect to be a Christian if you don't listen to God through his word? How? You can't. It's impossible. It doesn't matter that it's not always easy to do. I get it. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes early mornings are tough. Sometimes you're feeling tired at night. I know that it's not always easy to do, but if we only did what was easy to do, do you think we'd ever get anything done? No. We ought to read the word daily. Read it thoroughly. Meditate on it. Chew on it. Internalize it daily. And when you do, you will be nourished by it. You will be blessed by it. And you will flourish in the way that God wants you to. The blessed man's delight is in the word of God. Psalm chapter 19, verse 7 to 8. King David writes, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the law are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Or Psalm 119 verse 97, yes, verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Might we have a heart that says the same, that is so captured by God's word that we want to read it. And when we're not reading it, we are thinking about it, how it applies to the situation that we're in, what God wants us to do, what it means for our lives, for the people around us. Verse three, he shall be like a tree. The blessed man meditating on the word of God day and night, delighting in it. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. This is the result. This is the result. The blessed man whose delight is in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, is like a tree planted by rivers of water. Remember, trees don't plant themselves. God took that plant and he took it out from dry ground, from the middle of the arid, dry desert with dry roots, with leaves withering, a decaying plant. And he planted it carefully, yet firmly by streams of flowing, living water. So that tree would not be deprived. It would not die, but it would have life. It would grow it would thrive and it would bear much fruit. Whatever it does shall prosper. 
Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 to 8, echoes a very similar analogy, nearly word for word, probably inspired by this or vice versa. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like what? A tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes. Its leaf will be green and it will be not anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. What a beautiful picture. That's what the Christian life is like. That soaks itself, that is captivated by the word of God. Flourishing even in a dry desert. Even surrounded by a dry environment. It does not wither. It never ceases to yield fruit. Why? Because it's planted by the streams of water. It was planted by God and it is nourished by God's provision. Believe me, there's no better place to be than delighting in the sovereign providence of God. So, that is the way of the righteous. But what about the way of the wicked? If you're not walking the way of the righteous, then you are walking the way of the wicked. There's no middle ground. There's no in-between. And Psalm 1 tells us the alternative to the way of the righteous, which is the way that most people walk. It's the way that by default, unless God the Father takes them and transplants them by streams of living water, in contrast to the way of the righteous, delighter, uh, meditator, bearing fruit, the ungodly, not so. Verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. They think evil, they act evil, and they are friendly with evil. They walk in the counsel of the ungodly, evil thoughts. They stand in the path of sinners, evil actions, and they sit in the seat of the scornful, evil acquaintances and mocking of God. They do not delight in the law of God, nor do they meditate on it day and night. You cannot have two more opposite ways to walk. And so if you're a Christian, understand that this is why the world hates you. It's simple. Because you walk a completely different, opposite way. Not so the ungodly. The blessed man is planted by streams of water, yielding fruit, but not so the ungodly. Verse 4 tells us they are like chaff or rubbish, and the wind simply drives them away, blows them away. The imagery here is that of a threshing floor. It's when wheat is being collected. And what the farmer does is the farmer throws it into the air and the heavy wheat, which is desired by the farmer, it falls back down. But the chaff, the husks, the straw is light and it blows away in the wind. 
It is undesired. It is worthless. It is good only to be trodden underfoot or burned. And verse 6 tells us they perish. This is to say that the way of the wicked perishes. It comes to nothing. It is totally and utterly worthless like the chaff or the rubbish that the wind drives away. The righteous, they amount to something. By the grace of God, the righteous amount to something. They produce abundant fruit, but not so the wicked. Jeremiah chapter 17, the same passage from Jeremiah we read earlier, verse 5 to 6 says, Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. How shall he be? He shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. What a sad way to be. And yet that is the path of many. That is the path of each of us before God transplants us by streams of water. Verse 5, Therefore, And this is simply a summary of the end of these ways, the ways of the righteous and the ways of the wicked. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, when those walking the way of the wicked one day stand before God and they are judged, they fall. They will not stand. They will fall. Their foundation is little more than their self-appointed pride. But the godly, those walking the way of righteousness, will stand. Not on their own merit, by nothing of their own works. They will stand completely in the judgment on the grace of God by the work of the Son of God. Their foundation is strong. And our only hope to stand in the judgment is the Son of God. And then we will be in the congregation of the righteous. But the sinners will not. Verse 6, our last verse. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. God knows the blessed man. God knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the ungodly, of the wicked, will perish. And so if you are walking the way of the wicked, then your end is spelled out here. You will perish. Your ways, your accomplishments will perish. It will amount to nothing, as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, vanity. Jesus says, depart from me. I never knew you. Those are tough words. But by the grace of God, there is an alternative.
Those walking the way of the righteous, Jesus says, I know you and you know me. And the language here of knowing that God knows the way of the righteous is not simply a recognition. It's not simply that God knows about you. It's describing something that is far greater. It describes a deep love, a deep intimacy. It's deeper than the intimacy of a husband knowing his wife and a wife knowing her husband. Psalm 139 tells us that God knows when we go to bed, when we rise up, every hair on our head. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And God loves those that belong to him, those that by faith in Jesus have entered into covenant with him and and obey him. And here's the special thing. And we can sometimes forget this, but we'll do well to remember this, that God knows us not only when we are doing well, when times are going great, but when we are suffering. He knows us when we are sad. He knows us when we are depressed. He knows us when we are lonely. God is not distant or far from his children. He didn't wind up the clockwork of the universe and walk away. God intimately knows and loves and cherishes his children. He's not far away. He knows us the most deeply, the most intimately. God knows the way of the righteous. And you can experience this relationship with God by walking in righteousness, by delighting in his word and his son and meditating on it day and night. But get this, to delight in the law of God is to delight in the son of God too. To delight in the law of God is to delight in the son of God too. John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the word of God. That Jesus is the word become flesh. That he is the exact image of God. That every single word that comes from Jesus' mouth is the word of God. He is the keeper of the word of God. He is the fulfillment of the word of God. He is the goal of the word of God. And so for us to truly delight in the law of God is to delight in the Son of God too. You can't delight in the law of God, but not delight in the Son of God. That's what the, most of the Jews do. And you can't delight in the Son of God, but not the law of God too. That's people who make Jesus in their own image, a hippie Jesus, a progressive Jesus, a stand up for social justice Jesus. To delight in the law of God is to delight in the Son of God too. And you know, Jesus taught the same message that Psalm 1 teaches. He taught it, and we actually looked at it a couple of terms ago. He taught the same things in the Sermon on the Mount. He calls those who belong to the kingdom of God blessed. He teaches and instructs those who are blessed and belong to God's kingdom how to live. 
He compares the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. Two paths, two trees, two foundations, one way to life. He says the wicked he does not know. Depart from me, I never knew you. Elsewhere in John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. And he concludes the Sermon on the Mount saying that the only ones who will stand in the judgment are those with a foundation, not on sinking sand like the foolish and the wicked, but those who will stand are those whose foundation is hearing and doing the teaching, the law of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only did Jesus teach the same message as Psalm 1, but he lived Psalm 1. Unlike the old kings of Israel, unlike King Saul, King David, King Solomon, King Jesus fulfilled this psalm perfectly. He did not think evil, act evil, or mock God with evil friends. He delighted in the law of the Lord. He kept the law. He meditated on it day and night. He bore fruit abundantly, even though the surrounding was drought and death. And with deepest intimacy, the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father. Perfect love abounds within the Trinity. And so to conclude, God calls us to walk the way of the righteous. But in order to do so, we need to trust in the one who perfectly did it already. God knows and he blesses the way of the righteous, but the wicked, they perish. They will perish at the end and all of their ways, their accomplishments will amount to nothing. We walk in righteousness by delighting in the word of God and delighting in the Son of God too. The way of the righteous is the way of Jesus Christ. The way that God, in His grace, has provided for us to live the blessed life and join in His kingdom. Jesus is the King. The King has come, and the King is coming again. Do you delight in the law of God? Do you delight in the Son of God? Let us pray. Father, we come before you in so many distractions of this world. Take our time, take our attention. And Lord, we are sorry. Those that of us that already belong to you, that are already part of your kingdom, that you call dear children, we fill our mind with so much else and only listen sort of on Sunday. Lord, would you forgive us? Would you turn our affections towards you? May we delight in your word in your way, in your law, in your Son, Jesus Christ. 
And may we delight in the promise that we will be like a tree planted by streams of water yielding fruit in its season. We will enjoy blessing and even more abundantly when your son Jesus Christ returns. But Lord, if there are any that are here that know that they walk the way of the wicked, would you pluck them out? Would you transplant them out from dry ground, a dry, dead, withering plant, and put them by streams of water, soaking up your word, being nourished, renewed, transformed? Help us to treasure you and love you and delight in your law all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.